I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, December 5, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a couple of things. There was a little intraday confusion out there, so we're going to look at some shorter term charts. We're going to clear up some of the confusion, but the reason to do so in this video is A, to learn something, because everything we're going to be discussing can be applied to any chart under the sun remember all charts act and react the same way the second reason we're going to do it in this video is because while I answered some questions today from traders that had confusion about the intraday stuff I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page some traders may not ask the question and still be confused so let's try and clear the air of course we'll start with the daily chart we'll start with the bigger picture And I'm going to say a couple of things that I don't normally say. Am I going to say them right now? Absolutely not. You'll have to wait. That's what a tease is all about. They do it on television every single day. This is kind of like television. Let's start with the big picture. The big picture is the market hit, or in this case, the SPY hit, 315.04, went above it by a little bit. I think 44 cents if I remember correctly without having to look and then came down. So we identified that as an important number. It was basically an important area. We'll call it an area. Doesn't have to be the number. But here's the thing. We have two diverging things possible. A, the market got quickly rejected from that area, came down pretty hard and pretty fast. Like 70 S&P handles in a few days, that's pretty hard, pretty fast, considering the way the market's been going, steadily up, more of a grinding scenario. But we knew that was possible. How did we know that? We talked about it. We said the volume was very, very light, and light volume isn't necessarily a problem. The market went up for 10 years on light volume, but the market was extremely light, or the volume was extremely light. The market was extremely quiet. It was grinding, 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 a couple of little pullbacks here and there, and then Thanksgiving week, they snuck up to the 315 and change, and they pulled back pretty hard, so there was somewhat of a little bit of a vacuum on the downside. We expected that. You don't know exactly when it's coming, but we expected it. We talked about it. It was really no surprise. And once again, we came into, and here's the other side of that, into a former breakout area. So the diverging things are, did the market get quickly rejected from an important number? And is that going to be the high, in air quotes, the high? And that's one of the things that I wanted to discuss. So I kind of gave it away a little early. We'll get back to that. And if in fact that is the case, and some of you already picked up on that, do we have something like an A and then a B and then a C possibility, which would complete at minimum below the low of the A leg? That's certainly possible. It's definitely on the table. And let me explain another reason why. We have, and we're already into one of these big breakdown candles. 
So what does the market like to do? We all know the answer. Let's all say it together. It likes to test the high of the breakdown candles. Now the high is over two bucks away. It's 20 S&P handles. Let's put that in perspective. Can the market move 20 points in one day? Of course it can, but here's the kicker. Tomorrow, meaning Friday morning, we have the phony jobs number at 8.30 a.m. So, we know the market likes to whip around around the phony jobs number. Maybe it goes down, maybe it goes up, but we've seen many, many times in the past they'll use the phony jobs number as the convenient excuse for a market that's going higher into a Friday, a Friday float weekend. How many times have we seen that? We see it all the time. We don't know that that's going to happen, but this is the setup that exists in the market today. We're into a breakdown candle. They like to go higher. They like to test the highs of the breakdown candle. Would we expect there to be overhead resistance if, in fact, the market got to the high of the breakdown candle? Of course, they're not going to just whistle past the graveyard up there. Where is that number? Call it 314.66. That's the high of the breakdown candle. Whether they get to that exact number, we have no idea. But that's the general direction they want to be going if, in fact, they use any excuse, particularly the phony jobs number, as an excuse to goose the market. Let's get back to that thing I said before, which is, in the air quotes, the high. Can this be, can the 315.04 or 315.48, which is the actual high, can that be a high? Can that be the high? The answer is yes, it can. And here's the deal. The way I see it, it's such a low risk trade. It's almost stupid not to take the trade. Let me lay it out. Let's say, for example, the market is going higher tomorrow. They are challenging the high of the breakdown candle. How far away is that from the high? It is basically right underneath the high. It's basically pennies away. Think about it like this. You're talking about a stock that's $315 up there, give or take something on either side. The high is 315 48. If they make a new closing high, you reevaluate the trade. Maybe you give them a percent or so, but the reality is it's such a low risk trade because you're close to risk. You're as close to risk as you're going to get. Think about it like this. What if I'm right? What if 315.04 or wherever was the end of the road? I'm not saying it is yet. We don't know yet. The market's still in an uptrend. We can't lose sight of that. When you go to the weekly chart, it's in an uptrend. So there's nothing technically wrong with the market. I'm going to go out on a limb and have a trade very, very close to risk, almost nothing to lose. Everybody watching and everybody listening has lost on a trade before. This one, if it does develop like this, is worth taking. Don't forget, we're in the risk business. Here's the best part. If I'm wrong, there's another trade right around the corner. I guarantee it. Here's a short hop. Speaking of trades right around the corner, let's take a snapshot of stocks on the move. Check out the first three on the list. They all hit their entries. Take note of the prices. We're going to take a look at each of these charts real quick. And then 
like I did the last few nights, let me just give you a snapshot of the notes, all the commentary, including the pre-market morning notes from inside the numbers. This way you can see what's going on. Traders can decide for themselves whether this is something that they want to take advantage of. There's valuable information in here. You have to read it. You have to be able to understand it. In order to understand it, it's really a three-prong approach. I call it the three-pillar approach. You have these videos. This is continuing education. You also have the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. What that does is it gives everybody the foundation of how the market really works. Everything I discuss in these videos is a broad stroke of the detail that's found in the course Lazy E-Mini Trader. We pick it apart, everything is discussed, everything is essentially revealed, and you understand the foundation of how the market really works. The third pillar is inside the numbers. You have basically a tour guide throughout the day for those traders that want the intraday commentary, but then again, you also have trades that are posted long before the opening bell even rings. There's basically something for everybody. So one of the first trades was ESTC. Well, it was the first one on the list. So let's put this in perspective. The stock closes yesterday at 78.36. It's getting hammered at the open. It's a woodshed day. The number posted on the board was $63.98 almost 20% lower than yesterday's close, and boom. What's the morning low? The morning low registers at 63.64. What happens? Little bit of a rocket ride. Stock made a high at $66.97. So in a case like this, traders take profit when and how much and how often they choose. But they take profit. The second one on the list was F5 Networks. So yesterday, this stock closes at 143.60, getting its haircut at the open. We identified a price at 135.69, posted long before the opening bell. What happens? The stock comes into the price, spikes it by a little bit, makes a low of 135.01, rocket ride to the upside, 138.34 just minutes later. We do this each and every day over and over and over again. You see it in these videos over and over and over again. Here's the third one you saw, EAF. This was a little bit of shenanigans. Sometimes you have to wonder whether or not I'm the cause of the shenanigans. I tend not to think so, but I do scratch my head at times. <clears throat> not that I was the buyer, it's just I'm the one that put out the price and all of a sudden, down here, at 12.33, which was my secondary number, the stock makes a low of 12.35. So we had a closing price yesterday of 13.93. Haircut de jour, 12.88 and 12.33 were the numbers. When I have two numbers, I'm willing to buy half at the first, half at the second. I'm not 100% sure exactly which number will be the number. In fact... All three today had two numbers, they just didn't get to both numbers. At least the first two didn't. Anyway, you see what happened here, right in front of the second target, 1233, it had a rocket ride, then it started to come in, and then if we look at a different chart, you can really see what happened. In between the first and the second is where it settled in, so we call this one a scratch, that's okay, 
look at the first two. We look at the positives. I'll take two big wins and a scratch any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Keeping the ball moving around the horn, I said we were going to look at some intraday stuff because there were some lessons to be learned. So here it is. We're going to look at the 60-minute chart, and the reason is because the market is basically doing the same thing it was doing yesterday. It began eating time off the clock. However, we have what looks like a different thing going on in the middle of the chart. That represents, meaning this hourly candle, which closed at 10.30 a.m., which means that it represents the first hourly candle of the day. It looked like the market was putting in a reversal candle, and it could have been, but I want you to look at it from a different perspective. Let's just play games with ourselves, right? You're inside my mind, dangerous place. Sometimes I play mind games. Let's imagine for a moment that wasn't the first candle of the day. Why is that important? Because of the look of the candle, you can tell that Price opened at 312.24 and went down from there. That means the top of the candle and it went down from there, essentially painting it red. So now we have in our mind a reversal candle. Now, just picture for a second, it wasn't the opening candle of the day. Just picture it was another hourly candle. It would just be a wick rather than a big red ugly looking thing. The second thing is, look where the low is. Not that we went down to the lows, but the market began going to test the low of yesterday, which is what? The opening range low. Under normal garden variety market conditions, that low or above that low would be support, at least on the first run. If it hung around down there, meaning if price hung around down there, that's a different story. But to go test it, Again, normal garden variety market behavior. So A, we're going to pretend the market didn't close and reopen again. We're going to pretend it's just another candle. So therefore, it would look like a wick and it would be a wick up and a wick down. And guess what? That happens. But at the end of the day, all it's doing is eating time off the clock in the same bullish formation it began yesterday. Let's get another visual. Look at the 120-minute chart. What's going on here? Again, same bull flag pattern. Here's your flagpole. Here's the flag. It's just eating time off the clock, going back and forth. The larger the time frame, the less violent the moves appear. These aren't violent moves. This is just normal garden variety market behavior. Guess what? Look at the convergence of the 20 and the 50 period moving average. Price is above those moving averages. Is that bullish or bearish? Well, it can't be bearish, so we have to put it at least leaning into the bull camp. These are puzzle pieces. They're on the table. So we have everything we just discussed. We have the phony jobs number. We have Friday. They love to goose the market into the weekend. And with all that packed together in the same bucket, what you have is some technical analysis, some experience, some logic, and we know where it's wrong. Where is it wrong? Below the low of yesterday's low. Now, let's qualify that. That's where the bullish pattern is technically wrong. However, 
if they're down there after the phony jobs number and they stay down there, meaning not like a quick spike in recovery, but if they're down there and they're down there because they want to be down there for a while, that's a different story, meaning even if they're headed down that way by the opening bell, that's not bullish anymore. That's just the way I see it. What's doing over in Camp IWM? Do we have any new news to report in Camp IWM? New news, fake news, any news. There's no new news in Camp IWM. Basically, it's going to be all the same market. Everything's going to go together. If the phony jobs number is the catalyst for whatever reason for tomorrow's activity, it's going to be the catalyst for everything going up or everything going down. That's just the way it works using the 80-20 rule the majority of the time. It's that duck market thing. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, it's a duck until proven otherwise. The corresponding level or price level in the IWM is its breakdown candle high. How about the VIX? I know a lot of traders like to trade in the VIX or at least in the products that mirror the VIX. They try to mirror the VIX. They don't necessarily mirror the VIX all the time. Some of those products really are a pile of trash. Let me explain something that a lot of traders I don't think are aware of, and then we'll get back to the VIX. Those products aren't meant to be held day after day after day. There's slippage, they deteriorate, there's costs involved. It's expensive to try and pace the VIX. They're using derivatives. So those products are a derivative of a derivative of a derivative. It's really on the verge of redonkulous. It's actually over the redonkulous. A lot of traders ask me, how do I play the VIX? And I tell them, and it's very simple. I use this vehicle, the one you're looking at, and I use options on the VIX. Every platform has different symbol requirements. I'll tell you exactly what it is for me. It's VIX.X, just like you see it, without the dollar sign, and then that's the beginning of the options chain. If you're not sure and you want to know, call your broker. They have a support line. They have online support, telephone support, whatever they have. They'll tell you. They want you to trade it. They'll tell you what it is. Where is support on the VIX? Well, picture this. Flip the S&P around and you have the VIX. So you have this big breakup candle. So if in fact, and let's just say if, because we don't know what's going to happen in the morning, but if the market is trading higher, it's likely the VIX is trading lower and I become interested in the VIX as it begins to approach its 20 period moving average in the neighborhood of the breakup candle low. 13, 12 and a half in that neighborhood. And I'll tell you what, right out of the course, there's three reasons why that general zone is where you take on risk. I don't know if it'll get there, but if it does get there, I'll be hopping on board. What's doing down at the transportation department? My second favorite market leading indicator, my first favorite, Canary in the Coal Mine. It's not really doing the same thing the other stuff is doing. Here's the way I'm looking at it. Until something changes, This is the canary in the coal mine, and this is telling me we're not going to continue higher. We're not going to continue making new highs right now. If we do, this chart will have changed and will obviously have closed above the old high in the SPY or the S&P 500. That's fine. I know where I am. We're close to risk. I understand all that. But in order for things to change, this chart has to change. This is the canary in the coal mine, period, full stop. 
What changes my mind? Well, for starters, they got to go fill this gap and they got to stay up there and then they got to work on the 20 period moving average, yada, yada, yada. They got to get above the 20. If they get above the 20, I'll change my tune. Until and unless they do that, this is a duck. How about the XLF? We always find an interesting coincidence or non-coincidence in the XLF. I think we have another. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Check this out. Closing price today, $29.96. Closing price right here, $29.96. Can we do anything with that information? Not really. I just find it interesting that we always find that kind of stuff in the XLF. The XLF is riddled with shenanigans. Net-net, same routine. Big picture, uptrend. It's going to go with the market. If we get a goose tomorrow, it's going to go up. If we get an ugly duck... It'll go down with everything else. That's just the way it works. Meanwhile, the weekly chart is at this double top area. Very important area. Can they bust through? Can they make new highs? The weekly close will tell the tale. Tomorrow's the weekly close. We have the phony jobs number. We have a bullish pattern in the SPY. Everything's lining up. Will they pull the rug out or is it a duck? Now, let me separate ducks for a minute. The duck we just talked about in the transports was really the bigger picture duck, not necessarily having anything to do with tomorrow. You gotta know whose duck is whose. By the way, here's the monthly chart of the XLF. I just want you to know that I believe that this is really, really important right here. This is not the first go-around up here. They're here for a reason. They're here to bust through. Look at this for a second. If I squeeze it together... You'll see what's going on here. Look at this collapse. This was back in 2008 into 2009. We've come all the way back home. They want to go bust through. We never got to the double top area here and the market failed. The XLF failed. Look what's going on here. If we bust through here, obviously they're headed up here, but maybe even beyond. But the other side of that is if they fail here, that could be an epic failure. That could be, and we don't know yet, this is a monthly chart, takes a long time to play out, but that could be just one huge bearish wedge pattern that never makes it and just goes, now I'm sensationalizing that just for the heck of it, but it is pretty interesting and I do want to stress we're at an important area right here in the XLF. How about good old Smash Mouth, SMH, anything different to report here? No. They're going for the 20-period moving average and what? Yes, of course, the breakdown candle high. That's if we get a goose tomorrow after the phony jobs number. So that's a pretty good look around the horn. It's everything that I wanted to and intended to discuss tonight. So we'll give it a wrap here. Before I do, I want to thank each and every one of you. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast... Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.